Hello, and welcome again to Killing the Great White Male. Today is more of our shared experience between myself, Royce Tevis Towns, and Lauren Carlson. This has been one incredible conversation, one incredibly powerful shared experience. And it is an experience with a lot of trigger bits in it. Conversations around sex, especially sexual assault and rape, are incredibly painful for so many of us. Last time we left off with this notion that an event that was traumatic for one person might not even be remembered by the person that did it to them, that hurt them. So, let's dive into this conclusion. It's incredible. I'm grateful for that space. <laughs> and and I guess when it comes to the, those of us who um, have had problematic behaviors... I will accept that space if we've admitted that we've done something wrong. Right. Like there, there's okay. for me, I, I love that that's the restorative justice guideline for um, the perpetrator is that, do you, do you know you, you fucked up? Um, right. Cause then it's about, so how do we both do our work faithfully um, for ourselves and for each other and for the world? And that's what the conversation becomes it, on page 215 there. Anwen wanted a letter of apology, but she didn't, need his guilt she didn't need his shame she didn't need his acquiescence to her every request like uh, Ornstein, uh, Ornstein does such a great job of articulating these very fine points because it's it's very easy for those of us who are men who are in any way empathetic when we realize we fucked up at this level um, the self-destruction impulse comes very strong and the shame and, and all of that um, so I love her articulation here. She wanted a letter of apology. She wanted to know she wasn't crazy. Um, right. Uh, and she needed him to act, to think, and to come up with his own ideas for making things right, or at, at least as right as they could be. So they end up doing some joint work, a spoken word piece um, that they performed together um, at Green Dot Training, which he had, by that point, <coughs> excuse me, by that point, he had managed to get it to be mandatory for all of the Greek life on, on their campus. Um, but he goes on to, to, to talk to schools. He talks about, uh, hookup narratives. Um, like he does the work that I feel like white uh, guys have to be doing. Um, and right. I would say, especially white men, um, right. we have to be modeling this and we have to be engaging in this, um, there is such a thing as white man cred. And if we're going to have that <laughs> fucking privilege, we goddamn well better use it properly. Um, right. Uh, so it, it really, a bottom page 217, when Samir tells people his story, they often try to let him off the hook, saying that what he does wasn't really that bad. And that rankles him. And that, for me, is, a, is another watershed moment because he's pissed now because he's like, no, you can't let me off the hook on this. Right. Like, yeah, this was not a competition, he says. And also, what do you mean by wasn't that bad? Forcing someone to do sexual things against her will, emotionally manipulating her, wasn't that bad? Perpetuating a culture that makes people feel like they can't say no or can't be themselves or makes them feel scared, wasn't that bad? You're you're affecting people's lives. You don't think it's that bad? And, and I would go 
I would go on because it's it's not just about the victim at that point. It's also about him saying, I need it to not, to, I need it to be what it was, what wrong, bad, horrible, terrible. Right. Because I have to salvage my own humanity from this. Like, mm-hmm. that's the thing that I don't see us connecting the dots on is that as a, uh, when we offend, when we hurt other people, it is not just the victim's humanity that has been violated. It is our own as, as perpetrators that has been right. violated. We have violated our own humanity. We have broken ourselves and we have to be, we have to be healing that. We have to be doing that work. Can't take the place of, of serving the victim. Okay. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> Can't, right. In context here. Um, right. But yeah, there's, God, this book did such a great job of, of working with this material. It really did. I mean, it's, um, I feel like, uh, like people could learn from it, uh, it from a million different chairs, you know, that they sit in like a million different hats that they wear. I can learn as a mother, how to speak to my sons and daughters about things differently, having known now what I have learned from this. And I can also take away so much as a victim um, just, just what, not, not that I need to know what he was thinking, who cares, but still just what, um, I, I'm not making excuses for him, but I, I, I think it is important to realize the world that we have built around us that then led to things like this and yeah. the need for power and the the entitlement to someone else's body and all of those things, while they do not excuse anything, what they do is help me find some kind of way to get my head around what was done to me and also wrap my head around what I can do for the future for, for other people and for my children and for, um, and, and that's a, a main reason I wrote these books is because I know that I have spent 15 years thinking about these things mm. and researching and, and doing the work that I could spend it just on my children and they could be the most informed consent advocates possible, mm. or I could really spread what, share what I know and help other parents do the same so that we're we're all trying to better the next generation. And that's what I, I spent so much time talking about the name of, of my parents guide book mm. and, and saying, raising kids to, to understand consent. And I went back and forth. If I, if I was going to ra- say raising kids that understand consent mm-hmm. and, and, and no, because they don't know consent until yeah. we have taught it to them. And, and you it. have to, right. And you have to read these things and, and help them to understand it. You know, it is not people who know how to ask for it. It's people who, tr- they will not get it right every time, just like we don't. Uh, but, but they, at least they understand what it is. This yeah. is what we're striving for. We will not get it right every time. They will not do it right every time. But we can help people to say, whoa, that was not okay. 
yeah. and learn from it and hope hopefully we are preventing any kind of pain you know one pain from someone um can be prevented every time I see a book sale and I'm telling you, I'm not a millionaire from these books. There's no chance of, <laughs> there's no worry of that. But any time I see a sale of my book, I think there's one conversation and hopefully it's many, but I can, I can almost guarantee that it's one conversation between an adult and a child about consent and I feel like I have put that into the world and that makes me proud. As, yes. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I am so, so grateful for your work and in, in, in all, not just writing the book, but all that it took to write and illustrate this masterpiece. Um, I think the, the two bits that came up for me as, as you were talking about that are number one, I, I want to say to those of us who are struggling with this, because we may have been on the, not just the victim end, but also on the, on the perpetrator end of this. Um, anytime we experience a power imbalance, when we feel like we're the teacher instead of, you know, my partner or partners and I are co-discovering something, we are discovering it together. Um, we're talking about what we want and maybe there's a little bit of teaching there because there is a power imbalance there. Yeah, I know my body better than you do. Whoop, whoop. Um, but right. that, that also means believing the other person knows their body better than we do. And that that co-discovery of each other's inner worlds, man, that's the stuff of magic. Um, and that's why the power imbalance is automatically destructive because it destroys the co-experience, the wonder in each other that that is, and it's not just sex, it's relationships in general. It's what it means to be human. Um, the other thing that I come away from this whole experience, and especially some of the things that you said is, man, I have to be modeling a variety of emotions for my kids, and I have to be talking to them about a variety of emotions, and I have to be accepting a variety of emotions from them. Because um, that's how we develop our emotional language. That, that came up time and time again throughout the entirety of this book, is that especially boys, while they experience, I, some studies have demonstrated that boys actually experience a wider variety in, in their younger days before they've been right. learned to fuck. Um, <laughs> uh, their their language around it, they, she constantly uses terms like numb, uh, emotionally vacant, like mechanical, right. like their basic human essence has been drawn out of them because emotions are simply part of that. Like that's the story of every fucking AI movie out there. Come on. Right. It's questions right. of what is it to be human, right? Um, so how do we uh, for, do identity formation instead of identity deformation is the question for me constantly. Right. So that emotional right. reality. Because we can't, how can we have these conversations about what we like and don't like if we don't even know what we like? Right. And then so much of that comes from the hookup culture where yeah. you, you really are stepping out and finding what you like. But, um, you know, I, I go back to, um, I am so purposeful about how I speak to my children. Mm. Uh, I told my husband, there are millions of words out there and we should use more of them. <laughs> <laughs> well said. <laughs> Not not more in quantity, but more in the correct ones. Yeah. You know, um, if, if, uh, if my child is upset about 
whatever. We, we, we turned the TV off and we didn't pause it for anything. Mm -hmm. And, and my husband will say something, you can't be mad when you blah, blah, blah. And I'll say, no, he can, he can be mad. We want to teach him that it's not important, but you can't tell him that he can't because he can, he can be mad about a balloon if he wants. He can. In the end, these uh, things are covered by irrational centers of the brain. Right? <laughs> it doesn't so, care if I can. <laughs> right, exactly. So so uh, I'm I'm even purposeful with that. Yeah. So if you if you want to tell him you shouldn't be mad that I di- that I didn't pause your show, fine. That, you know what? You're still putting it out there, but at yeah. least you're not telling him you can't, you can't, you can't. Say I mean, and then I'll, you know, sure, it turns into a 10-minute conversation instead of just one sentence. But that's what we're here for. Yeah. If you are want to raise good humans, yeah, mm-hmm. some of them are 10-minute conversations when, you know, when... Uh, and they're going to mean relate me, to something. Right, and it reminds me of the, this could have been an email. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's like... A hundred percent. I'm going to come, come to you and we're going to stop. And my husband's like, Oh my God, we're still pausing this. You know, like I'll pause a movie to ask my kids about something. And he's, um, he's very supportive, but he also knows I use way more words than humanly possible, but I'm with you on that one, but he knows that these are all, this is the moment. You know, these are they, this is what we are here for. And I'm going to pause and tell you, or we're going to talk about it so that I can really understand and you can understand and we can learn from it. And yes, that will be annoying to other people, (laughs) but I feel like if more parents really just took the time or, or more adults, even teachers or anything, take the time and sit down and just say, well, what, what is it? You know, what's the thing instead of saying, you're not, you're not going to that. Don't be mad. Well, but he can be mad and let's talk about why and let's you know so, i mean those th- 10 those minute conversations important. like right. i didn't learn to value i learned to value them when i was a pastor and i began to see that if i was on site in the office my job was to be that presence right that people would just stop in right and they may have been telling me about their car with the flat tire right but when i let that conversation run instead of shutting it down because i had more important things to do Right. Right. Um, right. Suddenly they were talking about something very deep, very important. Right. Uh, the number of times that led to trauma re- revelation and right. people who never were in therapy needing to start work. Um, like those are very. So I came to see them as holy moments. But then I had to learn like it was a it was I had to learn that those same things were happening in my home and I was fucking missing it. And as a right. man, I'm not tent to va- taught to value that. I still look at the work that I do at home and I forget that that it was the t- when my daughter walks in and apologizes for interrupting me because I'm in the middle of writing my book this last fall, that that moment was the most important point behind the entire fucking book was to make space right. for those moments. So right. it, I, I don't I know as a man, it's even harder for me um to value those or maybe not. I mean, that's probably a stupid, don't compare. Okay. But it's it's, not, I don't think it's harder, 
but I think that you have but a lot awful. more work to do yeah. than, than I That's have fair. to do because I wasn't told you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. As a girl, I was raised that that was okay and, and that girls are even emotional. And so, yeah. oh, well, that's too many emotions. And <laughs> um, so you, while you are a human and it should be exactly the same as me, you have that un undoing of yeah. all those things that they that they told you so in so many ways i i understand i am not married to someone who who is unable to talk about feelings that's yeah. clearly not what's happening it was just 21 years before i got to him that that he was taught things or learned things through society that he's not supposed to. And so you yeah. have to unlearn all of those things. Now, very soon we will have been together for 21 years. So he has no more excuses. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, but, I mean, this is also a valid point. It, it, it doesn't take 30 days to learn a new habit. It actually takes some quotient of the amount of time we spent in the old habit. Right. Like that's neuroscience. So, <laughs> so you have to undo, you know, and, and so I, um, I feel that we will be doing this forever. Yeah. You know, we will be working. I am constantly working on myself and, and we will be working to become parents of teenagers and that will be different. And oh, we will be God. working to be parents of, of uh, college students. And then we will be working to be parents of adults. I can't imagine what that's going to be like. It's fucking but, weird. But, Lauren. We're, <laughs> but we're always, but we're always doing it and yeah. he is ready to do it with me, even though I'm sure it, it it's more, well, you know what? I can be honest. It's more work than not doing it. Yes. So I'm sure. <laughs> so sometimes you just want to sit and watch football and you don't want to do uh, me too. This is me. Yep. <laughs> so I get it, but, but it's important. And I, I feel that, um, talking about what happened to me. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times I've said casually, I, I don't know how to say casually I was raped. How do you do that? But I, yet I can. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I say it at, at weird times when I think that the conversation is leading there, like I'll leave a six-year-old's birthday party and I'll be like, yeah, well, talk about rape. And he's like, okay, well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you and you other moms were talking about. Okay. But I can't tell you how many times people have texted me after yes. and said, I went home and I talked to my daughter about this. Yeah. And it's amazing to me to think that I have made a conversation, inspired a conversation to happen or women who say, yeah, you know what? I was raped in college and I've never told anyone but my mom. And they're sharing it with me, a, a mother that they don't really know that well. We just happen to be at the same birthday party. Yeah. And and I feel that that is empowering them. You don't have to be ashamed to say that. Say that you were raped if you want to. And it's empowering. I I I know that it sounds strange that I cannot wait for my children to be old enough for me to tell them yeah. because I feel that they will be proud of me for what I've done. And it will, my, my being myself will make a lot more sense to them once they know, because right now they're just, 
they just know mom as um, she writes books on consent and about body safety. Um, right and now she's you're very their hero safe. because you're their hero. Right. right. When they learn what you have gone through on your journey, all it does is make it more clear what an incredible badass, what an incredible courageous <laughs> human you are. Um, and I'd be saying that no matter what your reaction was, um, no matter how you were dealing with it, because you survived and you are, right. are, are reclaiming your own humanity from the ashes in, in the way that you see fit. And, right. and in my book, that is top notch. I, I, oh, right. I find, I find, um, I want to applaud people who, who can put it behind them and never speak about it again. If yeah. that is the best for them, that is amazing. Then that's courageous badassery so, for them. Right. Yeah. I am so obsessed with people knowing what they want and then doing it. How, yeah. I know that's what consent is. Yes. Like it, yes. <laughs> it's, it's amazing to me because yeah. if you want to talk about it and you want to, you want to make Christmas dinner awkward by having a conversation about rape with your husband's aunt, you know what? I'm going to do it. And that's who I am. And that's how I find healing. And that's how I feel that I'm making the world better. And other people will put it behind them and, and will be um, dealing with it inside their mind and changing the world based off of not speaking out, but doing things. And, and I'm proud of them too. That's, that's amazing. This is just my way of doing it. And, and it makes me proud that I can do it, that I have a husband who supports me in doing it, that I have children who I know can be the models of what I am supposedly saying this, you can teach children to respect themselves and to respect others. And, and I'm proud of that. But I also, I'm not saying that this is the only way there's no only way. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Thank you, especially for being willing, not just to have this conversation with generic people and with children, but to be willing to sit down in a space like this with, with some, with me, um, right. to have this conversation with a dude, like with a, a dude who's done problematic things. Um, but to like, it, it just, yeah. Once again, thank you. A, thanks for coming on here and being a guest. Thank you for writing the, for the work that you're doing, writing the books and the curriculum and raising amazing children. And, and, um, yeah, thank you, Lauren. It, um, has meant the world to me to have these conversations with you. Um, over me too. I mean, months. really it's, it's, uh, I feel, I, I think I am better as a person when I get to share these things. So I really appreciate even a platform to do that and think that one person hears it and thinks that maybe I've changed one, even one event, one circumstance of, of a handshake that wasn't consensual, anything like that. It makes me feel that I've done something. And, and so I, I appreciate that I even have a platform to, to share that. Thank you. You have done a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> so I like to close out with Maya Angelou's quote, uh, we do the best we can until we know better. And when we know better, we do better. Uh, so that's that's our, our conversation for today. Um, for those of you who have listened to it in bits and chunks, um, thank you for hanging in there. I know that this uh, was not the easiest conversation. Um, 
and I'm going to say this on, on like the basic recording, not just the intro and outro that I will record later, um, so that y- y- you all hear repeatedly from Lauren that this was her path, um, that this is her path, and it's okay for each of us to have variations on that. Um, so thank you, Lauren, as always. Um, yeah, this this was incredible. What an experience. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Yeah. We'll see you guys on the other side. Bye-bye. I'm left with the end of this conversation hitting me hard around the notion that it's so vital and so important that we choose our own path toward healing and justice. That consent... (laughs) It's not just about sex, obviously. It's about whether we want to eat fucking broccoli. But it's also about how do we choose to heal. It's about withholding judgment about how other people choose to heal, even if if for some people that's just stuffing feelings down. Who am I to judge? Maybe that works for them. Consent is in everything. You've consented to listening to one of the most painful conversations I have ever had. One of the most hurtful shared experiences. And I'm glad that you did, because I hope that you got to hear also that although this conversation was a struggle, at least it was for me, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to speak for Lauren there, that it was also very much worth it. Thank you for hanging in there with this conversation, and thank you for having tough conversations yourself. I hope you're sharing this on social media. I hope you're sharing it with friends and loved ones and having more powerful conversations, more powerful shared experiences in your own life. Looking forward to our next conversation, our next shared experience that we'll dive into next time. We'll talk to you soon.